All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a very long hiatus of Unlocking the Mysteries with Autism, the podcast where two people give you the um, personal rather than the clinical point of view of autism. I'm Noah Russell. I am on the spectrum. I'm Summer Temple, and I'm the parent of a child on the spectrum. Yes, and uh, before we get started, uh, as we always say, we are not BCBAs, we are not professors, we are not doctors in any of this uh, of the subjects. This is, again, this is a personal point of view rather than a clinical point of view. So we just want to make that very clear. So no one will, um, you know, start throwing lawyers left and right. So uh, today is actually going to be a very uh, controversial, not to mention a hot button topic, and that is autism and racism. And Summer brought that up uh, to me quite a while back, and we've, uh, we've talked about it quite a bit. And uh, she has quite a bit of questions to ask. So uh, Summer, if we wanna dive right into it. Yes, so I just wanted to let everyone know that the, the idea for this podcast uh, came about from Noah approaching me. He, he knew my son, Lucas, and he approached me and made the wonderful offer that if I ever had any questions about the inner workings of the mind of someone on the spectrum to help me better understand my son, I could ask him anything. And I can tell you over time that that is so true because I have asked him some tough questions over the course of us knowing each other. And Noah's always been upfront and straight. And I, I truly appreciate that, Noah. Thank you. That's my pleasure. I'm always I'm always uh, happy to answer any questions. And yes, there are some questions that I cannot answer either because I don't know the answer or I legally can't tell you. But um, yes, it is a, it is definite pleasure. So I I started. I decided to start asking Noah a little bit about how do people on the spectrum look at racism or, or actually I was inquiring, do you see racism? Because I look at my son, for instance, and I think, does he even notice those things in the world? Um, you know, does he notice what's going on like my daughter does? Um, so I guess my first question would be, what age did you notice in the world racial inequality and stereotypes and injustice? Well, it definitely took a while. Um, I think I was about maybe 13, maybe 14, possibly 15. Um, it was actually when I discovered uh, the James Bond movies. And, and, and I know this may sound weird, but bear with me. It was when uh, the very first Bond movie I saw was Roger Moore's first Bond movie, Live and Let Die. And it was a mockery of the black exploitation films from the 60s and 70s. And uh, a lot of them spoke in a very kind of um, not a racist, but stereotypical manner. Like, you know, um, the cab driver would say, right on, brother, or um, or, you know, just just stereotypical things. And um, also not to mention, uh, it took me a while to figure out that the crows in Dumbo were uh, racially stereotyped. And uh, I, I remember my parents telling me that the way they spoke in Live and Let Die, the, the way the crows spoke in Dumbo, were or are considered uh, racially stereotypical. People don't talk like that. They didn't talk like that then. They don't talk like that now. And that's how I was brought up to not just racism, but also stereotyping. What did you think, you know, after you saw that and you talked to your parents, what were your thoughts after that? I thought, you know, um, <clears throat> I mean, first of all, you know, it's terrible that people, a lot of people get stereotyped. Even, even people on the spectrum get stereotyped. Typical stereotypes for us is that um, is that we're selfish and we have no empathy, and you know, and all that stuff, or or we're we're not all there. 
but you know, none of that, none of that's true. But to answer your question, it was uh, really eye-opening for me because, you know, of how people like, you know, different from white people were uh, disrespected uh, racially for, uh, you know, the way they spoke, the way they acted and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, times were different. And back in those days, stereotyping was was a thing. What do you think of everything going on right now? Uh, well, I'd like to say that racism is uh, gone and done, but that is far from the truth. But I will say that um, movies and TV shows and stuff don't do uh, racial um, stereotyping anymore. Um, we live in a very, um, in a very PC, very uh, sensitive PC world, but w- but in in ways with good reason because. Um, it is, uh, you know, there, there are some things that are just, you know, really offensive to people. And the last thing we want to do is offend anybody. And a lot of people nowadays are under a lot of fire because of, or hot water because of, you know, uh, stereotyping and racial profiling and whatnot. In fact, racial profiling is, uh, is a hot button topic as well, especially with the police. Yes. So going back to what you were um, saying Oh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Going back to what you were saying about um, in the world right now, you know, things being very emotionally charged around these topics. Um, and typically people on the spectrum, and I don't believe this is a stereotype, I believe this is like what they call a characteristic, is that people on the spectrum often don't always um, can see how other people react to things or, um, or understand sometimes, you know, until it's explained about some things. How have you in your life had any of those moments? Uh, you know, a little here and there. Um, I, I I tend to, you know, avoid, um, I tend to avoid things like that because, um, you know, for me, um, but it, and by the way, it is true uh, that a lot of people on spectrum take things very, very literally um, it's, it's, uh, like, for instance, you know, it's, it's easy to, um, to what's the word it's easy to, um, not identify sarcasm, uh, in the same way that it's not very easy to identify racism. You know, like when people, when naive people in their naive stage, neurotypical or autism, they, they, they look at that as, you know, oh, oh, that's, you know, that's how the way people speak, but then they realize a couple of years later, that's not cool at all, but it's a little more difficult with people on the spectrum because they have a little more trouble understanding of um, what is, what's not just racist, but just what's impolite and what's polite. That's a fine line. You guys are walking all the time, right? Not yeah. just in, in this world, but that's your world all the time, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely can be. I mean, me personally, um, it's uh, it's still really hard to know, you know, what's right and what's not. You know, there's, you know, like back in, back in the the eighties or nineties, you can call someone, you know, sweetheart and think nothing of it. But nowadays, it's like, ew, don't call me sweetheart, you're gross, you know. And it's just, and it's just a nice term. Of, I mean, of course, it depends on how the way you use it. But but even if you mean well by it, the people are like, ew, you're creepy, you know, or or like, um, if you, like. But like a, a friend of yours, for instance, if you like back in the 90s, it'd be like, hey, man, your sister is very pretty. And, and the response would be, oh, thanks, man. Appreciate that. But now it's like, 
ew, dude, you're creeping on my sister. You know, it's very easy to get in trouble these days. And there are a lot of things that I would say like complimentary meant well and stuff, but people would take that exactly the wrong way and I would get in trouble for it. And um, that really scares me with people on, on the high functioning part of the spectrum, like I am, where they'll say something and they'll mean it in a complimentary way. And people think, ew, you're creepy. And you know, they'll probably beat them up or even worse. So I worry about people on the spectrum who have, you know, trouble filtering things. So with Lucas, he's eight now. And I have a 10 year old daughter, neurotypical. And with everything going on in the world, you know, we have been with her been discussing things, showing her, you know, what's going on in the TV, George Floyd, um, you know, just everything that's happening. It's, I don't want to say it's easy, but I feel like I know how to approach it with her. I am, I feel very unclear on how to approach it with Lucas. Like what age should I do it? And, you know, how should I introduce it to him? Um, because for instance, you brought up Dumbo earlier that, you know, Dumbo's one of his favorite movies, um, you know, and right now, you know, he doesn't see or understand the crows and what's happening with them. I think for him, Dumbo, he loves Dumbo because at the heart of it, Dumbo's about a movie um, about a mom that loves her son, no matter what he is or what he looks like, you know? And I think that's why he loves the movie, but um, I worry how that's going to look out in the world and at what age or when should I ex explain to him about the crows and some of the other things in the world? What, what do you recommend or what would you advise me? Well, that's uh, it's kind of a hard question to answer because, you know, there there really is no perfect time to do it. Uh, it it's, the, the, you know, people always ask, you know, when's a good time to do this? When's a good time to do that? And yes, there are like direct answers for it. Like, you know, when's a good time to get your license? 16. When's a good time to drink? 21. Uh, but when but when parents, you know, wonder like, when's it a good time to give my kids the talk? Um, you know, I... I honestly don't remember how old I was when, when I was uh, given the talk, but, um, but when it comes to racism, I mean, I don't know. I don't really know if there's a good time to do it. I don't know if there's a bad time to do it, but I, I think that's really up to you, but um, he's eight now. So maybe, I don't know, maybe 10, 11, maybe 12 years old uh, when he can, uh, you know, really start to under, cause, and this is the truth, you know, a lot of kids in his age, they're in what I call the naive stage and the innocent stage. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I'm not just talking about me or him. I'm talking about kids in general. And um, I mean, there, there are some kids that are like that. There's some kids that are, aren't, that aren't. Um, but I, I would recommend maybe doing it when he's maybe in the double digit age um, when, when he can really start to, you know, really get what it is. Um, but I mean, again, that's, that's really up to you. Um, you know, as the parent, you got to, you know, make those kinds of decisions. I'm not a parent, so I, I wouldn't know. And God forbid I should ever try to make those decisions. But, um, you know, whenever you feel comfortable. But you feel like as a, you know, early teenage years that you was a good stage for you to learn it. Yeah, usually, usually the hot button topics like, like sex, for instance, you know, um, it's, you know, um, kids, 10 and on they that's how they learn about it and you know kids can learn about things in every in every age um but i think maybe you know, maybe wait till he's about like 10 or 11
Okay. You know, you talk about um, naive of kids and, you know, that's one thing with Lucas and with other um, people I know on the spectrum, you know, is that there's this beautiful innocence about them. You know, this beautiful purity that, you know, they, they don't see so much of the darkness of the world, you know, um, they're just happy kids, you know, um, it's one of the, you know, great things about my son is, is, you know, he doesn't lie. He doesn't manipulate, you know, he's just, um, he just is who he is, you know, and just trying to help him navigate this world the best I can as a parent, you know, is the best I'm trying to do. Um, all right. Well, what about mimicking? Now, you know, mimicking, you know, Lucas mimics a lot of things he hears and says, you know, stuff like that. Um, what would you say if, hmm, what would you say to someone if they, for instance, if you maybe said something that upset somebody, right? And they wanted to talk with you about it, what would you say is the best way to do that? Well, I mean, if, uh, if, um, if I said something, uh, like maybe racially insensitive or, or, uh, like sexist or something like that to, to approach them on it. And first of all, you know, don't do it in a, in an angry way. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the worst way to go about it. Um, just always remember that no matter how old you are, you're still learning. So approach them into a, in a, in a calm, adult manner but also in a um in a teacher kind of manner just saying hey just letting you know that what you said could be considered offensive or is considered offensive so um like like if you and i were talking for instance um you know you, you could say something like uh, you know i just want to let you know that what you said was could be considered offensive or is considered offensive. I mean, it's okay. You know, it's just you and I, and you and I are cool, but you got to be careful with that because you could say that to the wrong person and, you know, some big trouble could happen. Okay. All right. So is there anything else you would like to say on the topic of uh, being on, being someone on the spectrum and about racism and social injustice? Well, by the way, I just wanted to um, just go back to, you know, um, when you said there's a pure innocence, I probably should have used that term because um, naive probably wasn't the most polite term to use. But um, uh, no, naive's fine, because I always look at naive as you don't know yet. You haven't experienced it. And that is the same thing. You know, it's different than ignorance. Ignorance is when yeah. you know something's wrong and you just don't learn about it. You know, naive is is when you're innocent and young. All right. Well, um, but, but it's true. A lot of kids have pure innocence. I mean, me, I probably was, you know, I, as a kid and even as a teenager, I lived in a very puppies and rainbows kind of world where, you know, it was, I lived in the Hakuna Matata world, no worries, you know, everything was good. And, but then as I got older, things started to change, you know, like, um, uh, for years and years, um, uh, we would go on Yosemite vacations with my cousins and all of them were really awesome. But then as I got older, there seemed to be a bit of a lull where, um, you know, in the beginning, it, it's it's almost like a TV show, you know, where 
the first couple of seasons are awesome and action-packed, but then as the show continues on, there's a bit of a lull where you kind of run out of ideas and you're like, this used to be fun. What the heck happened, you know? Um, and that's just like the natural uh, cruelty of life. Sometimes I, I wish Lucas could stay like this, you know, because in a way it's a gift. I, I see it as a gift because, you know, he walks out into the world and, and he, he doesn't look at somebody and have any preconceived notions. You know what I mean? He doesn't walk into a situation, you know, um, of a certain person and immediately, you know, feel, you know, fear or something just because of the color of their skin or, you know, he approaches people as people you know, and in a way that's a beautiful thing, but I also know it's not the reality of the world he's going to live in. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, or, or like, you know, another, another, um, good example is when you're a kid, your birthday is probably the most like exciting day in the world. Like my birthday's coming up, you know, but then as you get older, people are like your birthday's coming up, like, okay. You know, it's it to what as you get older, your birthday is pretty much just another day, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's the other thing where the fun just fades, you know, because uh, I, I think birthdays are fun up until maybe your 18th or 19th birthday. And the other thing is like that's also with Christmas, too, you know, because um, with birthday and Christmas, you get presents. And, you know, when you're a kid, you make a laundry list of gifts. But as you get older, when people ask, what do you want for Christmas, your birthday? And like. I don't know. I don't know. I think Lukey will have a love for Christmas forever. You know, the night of his birthday, just a few weeks ago, I said, did you have a good birthday? And the first thing he said to me was, I want a Christmas tree. And he usually always starts in about wanting a Christmas tree in like July. <laughs> and so I'm like, you're a little early this year, buddy, but I think he'll love Christmas forever. But Oh yeah. Well, I love um, Christmas. Well, like I said, all of this came about in my mind because, you know, I looked at my daughter and I looked at my son and I saw that my daughter could see what was going on in the world, you know, and that something was happening, you know, and had questions about it. But then I looked at my son and I realized he doesn't have any idea of what's going on, you know, um, even if I put on the news or other things, I, I think he would just pick up on the tension of the situation more than why the situation is there. Right. I mean, intenseful, hard, difficult situations with a lot of emotions running. That's a lot for someone on the spectrum to handle. Right. Yeah, definitely. In fact, I'm pretty sure you can answer this question, but can you take a wild guess what day I discovered evil in the world? 9-11. Bingo. I was second. I was in second grade when that happened. Now. I didn't realize what it was until a couple of years later, but you know, when I saw the buildings falling and the, and the smoke smoldering and stuff like that, um, I honestly thought that um, like at first I thought, you know, a building just caught fire and then just, you know, fell down. That's all I thought. But then when I figured out um, that it was a terrorist attack, that's when I figured out, Oh my God, there's bad guys out there. Cause when I was a kid, bad guys only existed in movies and video games and TV shows and whatnot, but no, it's true. There's real bad guys out there. And, um, I think nine 11 destroyed lots of people's innocence. Yes. Yes, definitely. 
Well, thank you, Noah, as, as always, for being candid and honest. I know in the future we're going to hit, a, we're going to do some more fun topics, but I know we're also going to hit upon some um, other topics in the future as well. Um, I know we want to do some on um, inclusion and equality. I um, also want to also want to do about um, TV shows, depictions, you know, things like that. And I know you have topics you're interested in exploring as well. Yes, yes. And when you mentioned TV shows, the one thing, the one that comes to mind is Parenthood. The uh, the character Max. I mean, um, I mean, as a film student, I will say, you know, in in movies and TV shows, you got to ham it up a little bit. You got to dramatize it because, again, it's the movies. But um, there are things in Parenthood uh, with Max's characterizations that are borderline offensive because, like, people on the spectrum aren't like that. But I mean, you know, some are. And the truth is, in in the in the show Parenthood, Max is a he's a brat. He he's a selfish brat. Only thinks about himself. I mean, the one episode, and I know I'm going on a spiel, but I'll make this quick. On the one episode where his cousin was in the hospital after a car crash, the only thing he could think about was, "I want waffles. I want waffles. I want waffles. I don't care. I want waffles." And I'm thinking, my God, even I wouldn't do that. And I'm on the spectrum, you know. But again, everyone's different. Yeah, well, that obviously we're going to have a lot to talk about in that uh, episode when we talk about um, being on the spectrum and how it's portrayed on TV. And then also there's a whole topic on having autistic people play autistic characters, you know, and yes. a big push for that as well. Um, so, OK, well, that will be another exciting topic for the future. Yes. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, I, I do apologize for the long, long, long hiatus between two episodes. But in the words of Hans Gruber from Die Hard, work must intrude. Um, so, yeah, um, th this was a really good episode and there will be more uh, in the future. We have a laundry list of topics to talk about. And um, until then, this is Unlocking the Mysteries of Autism with Noah and Summer. See you later.